0: Let's make sure history never forgets the
1: name. Sci-fi malady. Got out.
2: Have you ever watched a film, Sickies, that was all shaded in green and blue? How would you know the difference between the colors and normal ones? What is The Matrix? It is the film that could have started a mega franchise. You are a fan that will be lifted up at the beginning and let down as the series progresses. The Matrix is an innovation, Sikki's, a new kind of film with a groundbreaking new way of looking at dreams within a dream. Unfortunately, film companies are a disease, a plague on creativity, and we are stuck with their crap. So you're here to review this film. We're trying to cover them all but we can only stream them on Hulu or Amazon. So we're the ones who have to pay for that subscription. I've seen trilogies that started out badly, but ended well. This will do the opposite. So what do we need? Time, lots of time. Unfortunately, no one will understand what happened to the Matrix, but it was a great concept.
1: Sci-fi melody. Symptom 232, The Matrix, The Good One. Sci-Fi Malady, Symptom 232, The Matrix, The Good One.
2: Welcome, sickies, to Matrix March, a concept that I have been thinking to myself, why haven't we done this sooner? It's actually been on my mind a long time. Uh, We could have done it in March. We could have done it in May. And then May became Monster May, and just, just kind of got pushed back. And we had Xenomorph March, which Xenomorph March was originally intended to be a Matrix March, but then uh, we came up with Xenomorph, and that seemed more fun. So your
1: understanding breaking the what is it, the fourth wall, the fifth wall, the topics that we can discuss and when we can discuss them are limited <laughs> by when mm-hmm. they can be alliterated.
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. It, well, uh, Sinky's, if you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> Pretty much all of our topics are what I can alliterate.
1: We could, have, we could have three chances to do something with a J, but that gets reserved for trekking into the new year, even though it's not an alliteration. Um, and well, October is exceptions. horror month, even though it's there not an exceptions. alliteration.
2: <laughs> there are exceptions just because they become iconic to what we do. Correct. So, um, but
1: if the franchise begins chose- with an M, it can happen in March or May.
2: Pretty much. Now it's now it's interesting that Horror Month was the first time we had a topical month, which was Scott's idea. He came up with the topical month idea, and then I said, "Well, in that case, we have to have a uh, month October has to be about scary sci-fi," and that was our first topical month. Then we went into uh, 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 Richard Month with uh, November. But it was just, it was topical, but not alliterative. And after that, I took Richard over. Month.
1: Man. <laughs> yeah. That was my yeah. favorite. That was my favorite month intro topic theme for the month ever. It was Dick Month. Re- re- reviewing the stories
3: yes. and
2: films of Philip K. Dick. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. So. But. It inspired we, The Rod. <laughs> uh, no, it didn't. <laughs> or did it? Yeah. I think, no, The Rod came out in, um, oh boy uh the rod was uh uh we thought of that with the symptom 200 when i declared it it was it was the roddenberry awards and the uh award itself was called the rod which scott just couldn't help himself when he heard that i gotta be honest it was rock that was a layup that was a rock thing no i came up with the name he ran with it yep and then Scott, of course, took the layup because, of course, he would.
1: Give me a layup. I'm going to take it.
2: So, anyway, uh, getting back to Matrix, Marks, now that we have uh, given you a little behind the scenes, The Matrix is, I think, you know, I would say, and I'm not a film historian, and honestly, whatever. Who cares? It's film critics are anybody can be a film critic. but. I would say if you were looking at phases in U S cinema and we're talking about phases are difficult to pin anyway, but somewhere in the seventies, mid seventies, you had this kind of like Renaissance of this film industry. And I, you know, some might peg it with star Wars, others not, but somewhere in that boat. And that just led to a several decade uh, long, just kind of a, a great time in U.S. cinema where you just had blockbusters and great storytelling and movies that will just blow your mind. And for me, The Matrix was kind of the beginning of the end. And, and, and it's a good movie, okay? Let me, don't, don't, don't understand that to mean that I thought, well, this movie sucked and there came the ending. No, I would say this was at the tail end of that movement uh after the matrix the films film started slightly just kind of that renaissance era started dying down and i as much as i like it i start blaming the down utter downfall on the mcu because it became so profitable that once something's very profitable um and you can make a lot of money off your ip One of two things is going to happen. You're going to, or three things. You're going to make a ton of money. You're going to make total crap, or both. And that's what we see happening right now. And that's in just films, not TV. TV went through its own renaissance, but films uh, in America really have been the have been everybody trying to find a franchise. And speaking of franchise, The Matrix could have been one that was destined for greatness. But it face planted after the first film. I I think everyone can agree here that the first film was a just dynamite film, blew our minds, and then the everything after that was just, huh? We're talking artistically, creatively. It, even in even in storytelling, it wasn't good. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. From a, from a from a structure and a story and a a piece of film perspective, everything it face planted after the first Con- film.
2: Conceptually, the concept was always there. The concept wasn't the problem. Um, it was how they implemented it. And it just face planted it after the first film. And, uh, and it's so unfortunate because I remember when this movie came out, I was a senior in high school and I saw it in the, I saw it at the theater and the action sequences were so amazing that, and this just goes to show you how ridiculous I was as an 18 year old. Uh, I went to work at Office Max, and the manager said, Okay, there's all these office chairs you have to put on the top shelf. And I was grabbing these chairs, running up the movable ladder, hopping onto the, the, sh- the big storage uh, shelves we had, the industrial kind. Running them down there, stacking the chairs, running back, hopping off the shelf, which has got to be at least a good 10, 15 feet off the ground, picking up another chair, running up the chair. I mean, I was doing that for an, a solid hour. I was just so, I was trying to recreate being in the matrix like an idiot.
0: <laughs> and just, oh, sorry.
2: It just had that effect on me. And that's just the, the concept and everything was just so unbelievable just the trailer itself blew you away like the bullet effect that was copied i know i'm getting into fun facts a bit early but that was copied by like 20 other movies
3: oh at least it's been also it's been parodied a million times oh, so of
2: course that that includes the parodies but
3: the idea is it was just so revolutionary scott what do
2: you want to say
1: as long as we're saying that and as this is my perfectionist nitpickerness here um as long as we're saying that artistically creatively storytellingly it was a flop after the first one because from a box office perspective this has been one of the great franchises and and none of them flopped the first oh, well, one made no. four hundred and sixty six million off sixty three million. The second one seven hundred and forty one million. The third one four hundred and twenty seven million. And even this crappy one that just came out made two hundred and seventy two million world oh, yeah.
2: if yeah, if you're going to look at just the dollars and cents, fine. But you know what I always say about that. If money makes something great and smart, then Albert Einstein was an idiot. Yep. I just want to point out, so, I just want to
1: make one more observation. I can't help myself. I just can't, ok. You you believe, Mark, that right around 1999 is when the renaissance in filmmaking started amusing. declining,
2: right? That's amusing of mine, yeah. I have no—I'm not—I put what out year, my lack what year expertise. did we graduate high school? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't say it died. And besides, what would that have to do with it? I, it just. It was what year? Ninety-nine, but as a twenty-year-old, okay. I'd still be open to new movies.
1: Yeah, films were better when we were kids. These films today suck. They know how to write stories. Okay, Scott, back then. Nate. Okay, you Scott, that tell me about all he could all, really sing.
2: Tell me about all the great movies that are groundbreaking and impact the culture, like the ones in the past, even the ones before we were alive. I don't know. I'm not going to play this exactly because it ruins Gone. my joke. Because my oh, joke is I good. See. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Don't want to stomp on your joke. Man, but anyway. Remember that
1: Britney Spears?
2: She was an artist. No. She wasn't. That's <laughs> that not Vanilla to say. You went into music, not movies. If you want to talk music, I could sit there and talk about all the crap the 90s produced because there was a lot.
3: Okay, guys. Seriously. Anyway, down in rabbit hole of YouTube, going back and living your childhood of fighting and beating each other. Yeah, if that were the case, I'd reach
2: through the screen, grab him by the collar, and he'd be screaming rope-a-dope. Whoa, 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 hey, 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 What did he say? But anyway, uh, but let's get to the plot here then. It's it's very, it's actually genius in its simplicity. You have uh, Mr. Anderson, I think it's Thomas Anderson, played by Keanu Reeves. And he's a computer hacker by night and a software programmer by day. And his day job is really boring. He's just leading a nobody life. However, as a computer hacker, he starts, and his name online is Neo, he starts befriending another hacker called Trinity. And eventually he meets Trinity and, well, I'll just be quick about it. Through another hacker, he meets Trinity and together they, she introduces him to a guy named Morpheus who tells him, you've always felt like something was different. You've had a dream that there's been something wrong with reality for you. It's a splinter in your mind. You can't get rid of when you're awake. And he said, but I can show you what's really going on. And he gives him a red pill and a blue pill and says, if you take the blue pill, you go back to living like a normal schlub. If you take the red pill, I'll open your eyes and show you what's really going on. So Neo takes the red pill, and the next thing he knows, he goes through some weird process, wakes up in a vat of goo, where he's dropped into a sewer and picked up by a ship, and it turns out Morpheus, and turns out he's in real life. It turns out what happened was, a while ago, machines got, And AI got so sophisticated that they started a war between humans and machines. Occurred, humans in desperation detonated a bunch of nukes or whatever to blot out the sun because the machines were solar powered. And so the machines just started using humans as batteries in order to keep us nice and complacent. They hooked us up to machines, put us in a dreamlike state, made us believe we were all living this nice life. While in reality, they were sucking up our juices. And eventually, and all the humans that were not sucked up to the Matrix were connected to it, were living in a city underground called Zion. And the machines had been trying to get to Zion while humans learned how to link into the Matrix and pull people out. And the movie is basically about that and rescuing Morpheus from the agents who's a progr- who are a program designed to take out everyone who is trying to disrupt the matrix and they have superpowers essentially. But then again, so do the humans that can go into the matrix because they get programmed to be able to fight. Neo, by the way, just happens to be one that Morpheus calls the one who can manipulate the matrix on his own. And at the end of the film, he learns how he can see everything as code when he's in the matrix and manipulate it. And he beats one of the agents, which has never been done. And it ends with him saying, I'm going to liberate everybody. And then he takes up and flies like Superman. I miss anything in that plot, more or less? Nope. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. I mean, we'll get to some nitty gritty later. But first, we have our fun facts. Keanu Reeves lost 15 pounds and shaved his whole body to look emaciated when he woke up in the pod. Fun fact as well, he had back surgery prior to pre-production, and he had to train hard to get the job, because uh, otherwise he couldn't have taken the role. Luckily, he did get the role, but if you notice early on in the film, he doesn't do a lot of kicks, and that's because he couldn't, because of his surgery. Speaking of injuries, uh, carrie Ann Moss, who played Trinity, she uh, twisted her ankle while shooting one of the scenes, but decided not to tell anyone after filming, so they wouldn't recast her. So two injuries that, yay. Yay? <laughs> um, the film itself, I mentioned in the intro that they did a green and blue tint. That's because in the computer world, every in the Matrix, everything has a green tint. And in the real world, everything is a blue tint, just so you can know what it looks like. And the the green was meant to be something like a computer monitor. Old time. Yeah, for sure. Old time. The old Apple computers, which were monochrome.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we're talking, anyone watching it nowadays won't even know what that is. Yeah. Uh,
2: Speaking of fun battles, you know the lobby scene where they get in the gunfight? Uh, After the gunfight, they have the camera looking at the lobby and you see one of the marble panels fall off. That was accidental. That wasn't supposed to happen. But it happened and they were just like, looks good. Leave it. (laughs) (laughs) They left it in the scene because it looked good. Okay. Um, So. Speaking of the script. So let's get into. Oh, well, since I'm on action scenes. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss performed the shots featuring Trinity at the beginning of the film and all the wire stunts throughout herself. And most of those scenes took like months to do and train for. So,
3: eh. Well, here's a fun fact I don't know if you have. What's that? The bullet time effect is Mm -hmm. actually just a whole bunch of cameras in a circle taking shots basically all at once. That's neat. So it's just a camera rig all around them. Hmm. and it's programmed to take shots uh, timing the other thing uh, speaking
2: of action the filming of the helicopter scene nearly caused the film to be shut down because it was filmed in Sydney Australia and they flew it through restricted airspace so uh, Sydney had to temporarily change the laws to allow them to do that um haha um let's see. Yeah. Oh, and uh on the first day of shooting, Hugo Weaving, who played Agent Smith, suffered an injury to his leg, which turned out to be a polyp that had to be surgically removed. <laughs> a lot of injury there. Uh let's get to the cast here. Uh Will Smith was actually approached to play Neo, but he turned it down so he could go star in Wild Wild West. <laughs> uh, guess you're bet you're regretting that one, Will. Uh, he admitted he wasn't a mature enough actor at the time to play it, which is funny because is is Keanu Reeves mature enough to play anything? I don't know. Mm. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, the studio originally wanted Val Kilmer to be Morpheus. Thank
3: God that didn't happen. That would have been so weird.
2: And Sandra Bullock was supposed to be Trinity, but she turned it down because Will Smith, she thought was in the film. She later regretted her decision that she had been cast, recast, but you know, whatever. Cause she would have been reunited with him from the film from with Keanu Reeves after they did
0: speed
2: or as I like to call it the bus that couldn't slow
3: down. Okay. So, um, The things about the script itself. The original concept was 10 times better. Uh,
2: What do you mean by that?
3: It was originally going to be that humans were going to be used as memory, as data storage, not as batteries.
2: Oh, I did not know that. Yes, I did not come across that.
3: Hmm. But but I guess the studio nixed it because they thought people wouldn't understand it. It wouldn't make sense to them.
2: You know what that's interesting you say that because that's the kind of stuff I found um the Morpheus uh the Lawrence Fishburne loved the script but thought no one would get it it's because the film is too smart too smart so they'll never make this film or the studio insisted on a lot of explanatory dialogue because they thought it's this. they called it the script that nobody understands and I kind of get that a little bit because at the Wachowski's request, um, the actors had to just read um, Somalacra and Simulation and other philosophical books so they could explain what was going on. Um, it, I mean, come on. So you make a script that difficult, people are going to get in the way or people are going to try to I don't know if the word dumb it down is right, but try to make it more accessible. Uh, the script was also selected by in 2012 by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry archives for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So it is, as I said, a, a tentpole in U.S. cinema for sure. But there's one other point I want to finish here. Oh, there's one other cast point, and then I'll finish with a final script. The role of Switch was originally supposed to be a man in real life and a woman in uh, The Matrix, or the other way around. And we'll get to this topic in a little bit later, but that was later altered by the studio. But, um, however... The character of Switch was a bit androgynous, so they the Wachowskis didn't get exactly what they wanted, but they got a little bit of happy what they wanted with that role, I suppose. But as far as the script itself, they had this vision for about five and a half years, and they worked through fourteen drafts of the screenplay. Um they did a lot of work to build this story up and it shows even in the later films, which were poorly implemented, you can see that they had put a lot of effort into this. And, um, that to me, this is just a theory. We'll find out more as we research in the next movies. My supposition being that when this film came out, it, was Gangbusters. I think it caught I think it caught the studio by surprise. I think Warner Brothers did not anticipate its success quite the way they thought it would be. And so they told the Wachowskis, "Okay, you guys got to crank out the next two movies." And they weren't ready for it. I mean, they, they took 5 years and 14 scripts to hash out the first one. But they were told not only do you have to crank it out now, you have to crank out both movies and we're going to make them concurrently one after the other. And unlike Lord of the Rings, which had the books and the stories already, uh, they didn't have the storyboards or anything else. So that's another thing. They had like 600 storyboards made when they presented this movie. So uh, the other films, I suggest, I suspect they just cranked those out in a hurry. And it shows that they knew what they wanted to do. They didn't knew they didn't know how to get there.
1: The Matrix is their masterpiece, and and I would have loved to have to see them get the chance to pull a George Lucas and and get a uh, director's edition of Matrix two and three, and and have yeah. the time to write it correctly and tell us the story that I, they would have wanted us
2: to have seen. I'm sure that they had years to think about it. Um, I concur completely. I think, I think had they had their time, those two movies would have been great.
1: I see this as a George R. R. Martin effect where they had a really good idea to start a story. Or even a Frank Herbert effect where they had one really good story to tell. And that story is complete. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end to The Matrix. It yeah. doesn't need. It, it's a better film if you just pretend everything that happened afterwards does not happen.
2: That's true. It That's doesn't right. It I doesn't need
1: a 2 and 3. It doesn't need a continuation. And to some extent, Game of Thrones is very similar. Game of Thrones just got out of hand. He had a really good three uh, novels out of seven, but then he never knew what to do after that. Uh, Dune is probably the better thing. There doesn't need to be any other Dune novel ever. Dune as a standalone novel is a superior product the 22 different versions of Dune that we got after that that come through 22 or 23, 27 now, different books. Sometimes the story is so complex that you just need to end it and let fans use their imagination as to what happened afterwards. Uh, Another example, Star Trek The Next Generation's ending with all good things is a better end to the Q arc and the Next Generation storyline than any of the movies give you and anything that's going on at Picard right now. Mm-mm. But that, yeah, that's I see it like this. This is a movie that if you just visualize the Matrix as a one and done, and they tell you this story of a Christ-like Messiah for the human race to free them from the literal hell and oppression of the machines, and and you let people question the nature of reality. And would you rather live in a perfect dream or in a hell-on-earth um, real world, if you could choose? And you leave it as one story, it's fantastic. When you get into key makers and architects and oracles and the remainder of an unbalanced equation with the square root of the derivative of the cubed root of a quadratic equation offset yeah. over a binomial, uh, you know... And then you get into some uh, amazing stupidity. And well, then you get into and... Neo, um, I believe, um, demonstrating uh, Matrix powers in the real world. And they've destroyed Zion six times. Like, you cheapen all of it. The one, uh, you just cheapen all of it.
2: Yeah, well, and, you know, we'll talk about that in the next film. In particular, some of the dialogue was just nonsensical. Um, it It may sound very complex and philosophical, but... I almost I'm always gonna fall back on that one line from Tori Amos song, which I'm taking out of context. So you found a girl who's who thinks really deep thoughts. What's so amazing about really deep thoughts? Uh, so you found a film that has really deep, complex dialogue. What's so amazing about that? As to quote South Park, just because something's hyper complex and complicated doesn't mean it's good. So
1: I mean, The Matrix was um, hyper complex and complicated, but good. Hyper complex and complicated, but, but like it, good yeah, derivative. Yeah, and it was.
2: Yeah, it it was done in a way
1: that
3: you get. Well, also, it taps into something we all kind of feel at times. Because we all have deja vu. We always have had those things that just, did I see that out of the corner of my eye? And something feels off. And and it's all natural, but it's a concept that makes sense when you go, oh, we're living in a simulation. Because sometimes, yes, it's like, dude, Someone's really screwing with the script rating this year. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, like, are we doing the COVID type script again this year? <laughs> so but yeah, that's a good point.
1: You
2: guys want Go another on, Scott.
1: window into uh, uh, kid Scott's psyche, like playing car lot with his Hot Wheels cars?
2: Okay.
3: Oh no, I'm scared.
1: Kid Scott used to write down story hooks. And I mean, they were terrible, but I was always trying to write a story or a screenplay or something. Sometime in around 1992, 1991, when I was like 12 or 13 years old, um, after a Star Trek The Next Generation episode with uh, Moriarty, Mm -hmm. I started to become uncertain if I was living in the real world or if I was trapped in a holodeck simulation on an alien ship with the aliens programming my reality and guiding it certain ways to observe and explore human psychology. And I started to sit there and look around for evidences of glitches in the program. I can remember I had a mirror in my bedroom at the top of the steps. I can remember looking in the mirror and staring at it for 20, 30 minutes, and my mom eventually went, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to see the man in the mirror move first so that I know I'm the reflection. <laughs> wow. I became very, very, very convinced that, that it was a strong possibility that I was the only real person in this world but that it was all taking place in an alien ship that I was imprisoned on to distract me from the truth and not let me know. Which isn't the exact plot of The Matrix, but it was pretty close. I remember when this movie came out, I was going nuts because I'm like, this was my story. This is the basic idea of my story. I should sue. I've got it written down on my computer upstairs. (laughs) But yeah, uh, Scott. Went to some weird places. I mean, I don't know if any of you have ever done that, but I would look in the mirror to see if the man in the mirror moved first so that I would know that I was just the reflection.
3: No, I have not. Uh,
2: I don't recall that, you doing that ever, so I remember the mirror, that. Ruck can have fun with that, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah.
2: I've got a deep meaning for later, too. Oh, good. Uh, You know what? Uh, Let me do my thing, and then I'll give you a deep meaning before we do rips and picks. Sounds good to me. So it has been – I want to make a note about symbolism here because it is well-known and has been admitted by the Wachowskis. They've confessed this now, that the Matrix – Uh, Just the idea of transformation being one person in another person's body. um, The big impetus for this, aside from any other philosophy they learned, is the fact that they're both transgendered individuals. Uh, And this has been this was speculated for a while, but not confirmed until about 2012, I want to say when both the Wachowskis have come out and said, oh yeah, that was totally about us being transgender. And so others again had speculated like the red pill is the same color of a lot of estrogen pills taken by people to go through the surgery. Um, but now we know for sure that this was a byproduct of that. And not just the only thing, but it was a major theme that was at the heart of it. uh, to deny it would be to deny what the authors have said themselves. Now, the the reason this is something where I'm trying to go with. Symbolism is a good thing in writing. But I think the thing we always want to make sure we're careful of is putting our words in an author's mouth. Uh, for those that were speculating, well, congratulations, you were right. and that's okay because the authors came out themselves and said, oh yeah, we totally meant that where now could someone else use this as a transformation of their own lives? It doesn't even have to be a transgender thing. It could be anything. You know, I saw myself as a strong, confident person when in reality I was weak or something like that. We've seen that kind of theme throughout Siegel and Schuster, the guys that wrote Superman. This was their whole thing, you know, this is what they wanted. Uh, they, they pictured themselves as being, yeah, we're just kind of scrawny. Nobody's like Clark Kent, but boy, do we wish we could be Superman. It's the same concept, really. And, uh, But they came out and admitted that. I'm, th- that's great. And an individual taking away, making their own meaning from the film and saying, well, I know this is one not what the authors meant, but this was my takeaway. Cool. I'm fine with that. But I can remember back in ninth grade when my English teacher, Miss Delaney, we were going over a poetry unit and she said, I'm never going to tell you that your interpretation of this is wrong. And it sounded really great until later on in the unit when I thought to myself, you should tell them that because there's a way to do it. And the way is, okay, if I'm saying that Edgar Allan Poe's the raven, reminds me of a bad boss i had well um i mean that's your personal takeaway fine but that's not the meaning of the poem unless the author gives you permission to take to, that i had a friend who made a book of poems and he said you know it could be what the the meaning is whatever you want it to be if he gives you if the if the author gives you that permission fine but if the author intends for this meaning, you're not allowed to come in and either jam your meaning in or remove from what they said. You can say that, well, I know that's what they meant, but this was my personal takeaway. That's fine. That's, that's normal. But for you to jam your meaning in and say, oh no, this is what the author meant. Do not rob the author of agency. Do not do that. You know, we're writing ZTF. If someone came out and said that ZTF that Starcron is a stand-in for Trump. No, no, he's not. He's Starcrown. Uh I mean, there, could there be certain individuals that have shaped it? Yeah, I guess, but it's not. It's Unlike Kurtzman, it's not an anti-Trump, anti-Brexit piece. It's ZTF. Would uh, you have a problem with so, someone
1: saying, um, let's say that somebody took a meaning from ZTF that, that you didn't, but it was impactful to them and it meant something to them and it, it allowed them to put that's things in, Are you okay? As long as they don't I, claim that that's li- what you meant to do.
2: You were not listening to No, me I was listening. You.
1: I was No. If you listen to the last
2: part, I, I tried to clarify. What I said exactly. People just, they just can't the rob thing. your agency. Yes. If you personally have a takeaway, okay, well, fine. I can't take that away from you. But you do not have the right to say, there's this theory out there, well, once it becomes public consumption, it's not owned by the author anymore, it's owned by everybody. Wrong. You're not allowed to take my agency just because it's there for mass consumption. Um, someone can take their own meaning, sure. I can't stop you, nor would I try. But you're not allowed to tell me that your take somehow trumps mine.
1: No, no, you can never tell if the author wants to tell you this is what this was about. And and, so,
2: yeah, if if the Wachowskis had come out and said, oh, no, that wasn't about transgenderism at all you were dead wrong. You're not allowed to say, oh, no, I think it was because no. No. Now, of course, as we know, they came out and said, oh, no, it was totally that. Absolutely. That was it. Um, Not all of it. But, you know, a big chunk. Fine. But I just wanted to, I've always had a problem with that, because what that tends to lead to is a couple things. One is I call Scrody McBurger Ball Syndrome. Uh, If you've ever seen the South Park episode where the boys wrote a disgusting book just to be sick, and everybody was taking like special meaning, like, Scrody would totally be pro-choice. No, he would be pro-life. And the boys were just saying, you're reading way too much into it. It's just a gross book to be gross. And that's the first problem. The second problem is that it leads to a kind of my opinion is the most important thing in the world, not yours. And I don't appreciate that. Again, you're allowed to have your meaning, but you're not allowed to take away from mine what I intended for my own art. That's my art. You're not allowed to tell me what it means. You can tell me what it means to you, and I'm glad but you're not allowed to tell me that I'm wrong. Um, So those are the two biggies. There was a third one that all of a sudden I forgot what it was, but um, I just, oh, and the other one is it's called, I like to call it, um, it, it, there was in the eighties during the satanic panic, there was a um, book called Michelle Speaks, where what you had was these individuals were convincing children That they had been the victims of a satanic pedophile ring. Now, the kids had no memory of it at all, but they got convinced into thinking that they did, that it was a subconscious memory buried in. And people's lives were ruined for this. In fact, there's a great example of there was a sheriff, a town sheriff, whose daughters were convinced that he had abused them in some satanic cult. And they accused him and he went with it and it wasn't until he was in prison despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary that he realized, what have I done? This never happened. People got so hyped up with their opinion that they weren't looking at what was really happening. Q has been
1: around for a while, huh?
2: And so, Oh, it's nothing new. It's just different shape. Um, But that is what can happen, too, when you decide my opinion can change the meaning. Because what you're essentially saying is, because they start doing this, well, the author subconsciously meant that. Don't you dare do that to an author. If the author comes out and says they meant that, fine. Fine. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's a... You are not allowed to tell an author that they subconsciously felt something because now you are robbing of their, of their agency. And I'll tell you what I really think is going on there. A bunch of English professors derive something from a book that simply wasn't there and could not countenance the idea that they were wrong. So they made up this nonsense about my subconscious meaning so that they could somehow keep getting funded.
0: You're probably right.
2: Because I cannot understand how you could look at something like, so with The Matrix and, and transgenders, that makes total sense. I mean, it's there. The I, character's I, name I guess, is Switch. I think the, le- the link is there. I mean, they said it themselves in interviews. Hollywood just wasn't ready for that kind of a message yet. So they coded it. Hey, oh, yeah, I totally, I dig. Fine. But. If you were to come out and say that, oh, well, Neo, as in he's some kind of white supremacist neo-Nazi, oh no, that is not what they meant. That's not even close to what they meant. In the same way that, like I said, if someone told me that uh Star, that that I modeled Star Crown after Trump, no, no, we didn't. No, 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 we did not. You're not even close by a long shot. Don't even know where you can't got that. So um I think it's something that grew just, up out
1: of things that we taught kids in our generation and it's snowballed into things that the next generation has taught their kids and that is um you're entitled to your opinion and you should have your opinion and be an independent yeah. thinker. The problem with that is that a generation of kids learn that this is my opinion therefore it's right therefore it's valid and anything to the contrary is not. To the point that Bingo. you have flat earthers Defending their belief in the flat Earth that you only believe it's a round Earth because NASA tells you to. How do you know you didn't take those pictures? It's led to anti-vaxxers who will tell you based on their own feels that vaccines don't work. It's led to people giving their toddlers raw milk even though they know it's likely to potentially kill them because of believed unproven benefits of drinking raw milk.
2: I mean, um, homeopathic science is based solely on that. I think it is, therefore it is. You are All allowed to have an opinion. Western medicine is bad.
1: Yeah, you're allowed to have an opinion. But not everything is an opinion question. Blue is a nice color is an opinion. Is an opinion. You cannot be wrong when you say blue is a nice color. You also cannot be right. It's an opinion, and it's non—you you can't, you can't solve it. Two plus two equals four is a fact. And if your opinion is that two plus two equals five, you're wrong and you're an idiot and you're a moron. And however much you believe your opinion that two plus two is five is correct, it's not. And you need to be slapped upside the head until you realize that certain things are not opinion questions, but are yes or no questions. And your opinion can go fly a kite.
2: And I was just trying to think of it in terms of from an author's, a creator's perspective, don't put your meaning onto them unless they give you that right. Like my friend who did make those poems and said, the meaning's whatever you want it to be. He gave you that permission.
1: There are authors who will say that. I just, they'll say, I don't know what meaning you found from my book, but I'm happy that you found meaning from my book. That's not yeah. what I was trying to say, but if that's what it means to you, who am I to tell you that it well, doesn't?
2: It's even more to the point, though. He did not make his poems with any. He he had his own meaning, but he also made it open enough and said, "Whatever." With that kind of permission, then you can't go wrong. But with something like, again, The Matrix, I made up the whole Neo thing with Neo Nazi or whatever. That that's not there.
1: It would
0: be no, as if you're
2: somebody not, listened you are not to my, allowed to make that.
1: It's as if somebody listened to my Christmas dragons quick rant and said that I was trying to make the argument that there is a war on Christmas.
2: Well, yeah, you wouldn't have the right to
1: do that because I wrote the rant and I know what I
2: was arguing. Yeah, do not so so, um, and I don't want to go into at length about the fact that it was about, uh, you know, a code for transgender because it's been belabored, but it is obvious, just as a note. It's you know, switch had they gotten their way, switch would have been the obvious red not red flag, but obvious flag flair screaming hello you know i mean some of the um, subtext is there too
1: when he says i think this world is more real than the other world
2: sure oh absolutely what is real the...
1: what is real you know there's a world the, where they tell you what the rules have to be versus the world that you decide to be
2: and the comment about the it's you wake up and it seems wrong there, there's like a splinter in your mind yep. you just can't get rid of it it's all there it's just it's
1: absolutely as they said real. it
2: wasn't uh it wasn't a time when you could have easily talked about those things it's a a
1: masterful allegory i mean it's it's fantastic absolutely if you're looking at um a case study for allegory for aspiring aspiring filmmakers
2: this is it this is it this is well done in that regard and and again it's also translatable to just other transformations it doesn't have to be gender-based it could be personality it could be whatever you know even though that's not where they were going they weren't going with it that way but uh i i don't think they would begrudge someone from saying personally i derived this from it i don't think any author
1: or creator would begrudge someone that
2: well you never know I don't know. It depends on the Oh
1: no, it might if they said that, you know, if they said that Neo was a uh, white supremacist neo Nazi leader for a New World Order, yeah, they might they, they might yeah, I say, think well be, uh... it doesn't mean that and if it personally means that to you, you're wrong.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I would hope they would kind of jump up and say, uh, no. You know, distance themselves from that, of course, but um, but what's the point you wanted to bring up? What was your deep meaning, Scott? that I uh, now I will climb off the soapbox and let Scott do a deep meaning.
1: Can you hit my intro music? <laughs> do, 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 do.
2: This is Scott's deep meaning. Scott's, Scott's deep, deep meaning so-
1: I'm probably going to surprise everyone with where I go with this because it's the easiest one and the simplest one, and in a movie full of um, philosophical chestnuts, this is the one I pulled out of.
2: Nah, you won't surprise me.
1: Cypher tells Neo... No, not Cypher. Mouse tells them, denying your impulses is to deny that which makes you human. And I believe that he is a thousand percent wrong. It is resisting your impulses. It is denying your impulses that makes you human. The difference between a human being and an animal is that we have the rational capacity to deny ourselves our passions and to rise above them and to not let them rule us.
2: A very classical Greek of you.
1: Yes. And uh, it's maybe a very simple, deep meaning, but I do think that, to me, that that was put in there. I can't tell you that they that the Wachowskis put that in there to agree with me on this, but I think that that was put in there to make to as a false statement, so to, so that we can think about it for a second and go, is that truly right? It's a throwaway line within the movie, but I found a deep meaning to it. And the deep meaning to it is that, is that um, you even have to say that once you get into the Matrix, um, to understand that the spoon doesn't bend. There is no spoon, you know? You have to put aside the, the ability to rise above what you believe you see and to not be ruled by that. To rise above your impulses and your instincts, your impulses in the matrix is to believe that gravity applies to you, but it doesn't. Um, yeah. And and ultimately, <clears throat> what makes you a human being is that you can rise above your instinct to fight. You can rise above your flight instinct. You can rise above your biases, and you can rise above your hindbrain. That's what makes us a human being.
2: And that's um, I'm I'm. And that's a prime example of what I was talking about. So Scott derived this meaning from that line. And he made it clear, I don't know or think this is where they were going with it. But this was my takeaway, which is fine. Perfectly fine. Uh, Now, again, if the Wachowskis somehow hear this podcast, first of all, woot. (laughs) And they comment, even better.
1: Sorry about Uh, our prepping on the next ones. Don't listen to them. (laughs)
2: Uh, they're used to it i hope i think i don't know but um Yeah. yeah if you've gotten this far they could say actually scott that's an interesting point and i kind of agree with it yeah we were going there oh well okay scott found the hidden gem but otherwise you know fine he's not putting words in their mouth he's saying you know that little thing made me think of this
1: and they can All tell right. me we meant the exact opposite and we disagree with you and what I can say and they, is you're the author of the film
2: and they'd be absolutely right to do that So,
1: yep, and I can't but argue it also with you at this point
3: <laughs> yeah, but it also doesn't make Scott's interpretation incorrect because that's what he saw yeah,
2: it just makes it you're just not allowed <laughs> to foist it on the author and say that's what they were saying that's what it comes down to. He's not allowed to give them meaning, but they can't tell him, well, you derived that. Okay, then that's what it is. Well, we dovetailed that nicely. And that's, Yeah, and it's not, we did, didn't we? And it's not uh, anything that they have to d- distance themselves from either. Right. You know, again, it goes back to, like you said, Scott, if it's an ideology that is uh, promoting racism or something, obviously they'd want to get in front of that and say, whoa, there. <laughs> but, um, no. That's very classical Greek of Scott there.
3: Doo, 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 that has been Scott's deep meaning. Ooh, are we on to rips and picks?
2: Ah, we are on to rips and picks now. So Thomas is ready to
3: go. Uh, here's my biggest one. They should have stuck with the original script. Batteries make no damn sense. You know, I'm... I got to agree with you. I remember the there was s- simple s- fact human body is so inefficient. We have to take so much calories in to yeah. burn inefficiently in an inefficient combustion to get energy and waste. And it does not work out in a net gain. It's a net net positive. That's why we're omnivores. That's why we like meat. We love eating meat because it's high in calories and dense and it gets you that without a lot of food. Yeah, that. it we're inefficient.
2: <laughs> I you know vegetarian so be mad at you. <laughs> well, oh, no. you know what? I've met a I've met a plenty of vegetarians if they that like to have their fake <laughs> meat. So, that what are they telling you there? Right? <laughs> like we don't want to eat meat, but boy, we sometimes kind of wish we could.
1: Even their fake meat doesn't give them the same amount of protein as a nice piece of chicken.
2: Oh, no, of course oh, not. Yes. Yeah. At any rate, um, yeah, but, it's interesting you bring that up because I remember, I think it was Switch called, when Neo first gets into the car at the beginning, and Switch calls him Coppertop, mm-hmm. you know, being battery. And at the time, I think I rolled with it like, oh, yeah, we have electrical impulses, oh. And then as time went on and I saw the movie subsequent times, I just thought, you know, um. We are a really crappy power source. I mean yeah, the the energy you have to output just to keep us alive is that's really inefficient.
3: They would be losing power trying to keep us alive and using us as batteries. They it literally be losing power. There's yeah. no way of doing the math. Would it be the like humans work on batteries? Now, again, would... the original idea, it works great because humans, instead of being batteries, are memory storage, which is great because the human mind works really well at that and has a lot of dense neurons that allow for a lot of data. So that could work.
1: Would it be like trying to power your solar panels with an electrically plugged-in massive UV light?
3: Yes. (laughs) You would be losing. (laughs) Yes. Hmm. I I get power out of this, but for some reason I keep having to get more power from the city. I don't understand why to this is working. you hook it up to the gas
1: generator.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: I'm. The more we talk about it, the more I'm thinking, man, what,
3: what the heck? This doesn't work at all. Oh, it was. I had just even the first time I saw it, it made no sense to me. Just like that. What? Okay. I mean. I mean, I get the whole using humans
2: for something, but yeah, you're right. It would have been better for uh,
3: data storage. Original script data storage made most sense. But again, it had to get changed by the, you know, they the studio wanted something different. So Uh,
2: like I said, they're a disease. What do you want?
3: Yeah. So, okay. I have a, that's my big one. Here's a Mm -hmm. small nitpick. Okay. During the machine gun, or actually uh, it's chain gun, on the uh, um, helicopter. Mm -hmm. Amazing scene. All the brass falling off. Yeah. They even got the clips, which I do enjoy. One problem. They should have actually used spent brass instead of just using the blank brass. (laughs) Because it's very clear when it's falling that it is just Emptied out casings and you can very clearly see it's not blown out at all
2: all right well i and i'm glad you point that out as a nitpick
3: because not everyone's gonna catch it
2: oh, no. although they did do it at slow-mo enough so someone in the know would be like gee had it been fast you might have missed it but since they slow it down for Yes, action effect. You can see everything.
3: If it was fast, I would not have noticed it. But since it was slow, I immediately saw it. Even the first time, in the, and went, "Wait a minute, something's wrong there." All
2: right, I got two picks
1: rather than mm-hmm. rips to start off with, and they're little ones. But I think it it shows kind of the the love and the craft that they had for this movie. Um, mm-hmm. they show you when Neo is awakened, he's bald and to show you without telling you how much time has passed when he sits up and is finally moving his hair has grown back mm. he's been out long enough to grow his hair back so it lets Something you know that this notice. wasn't a day it wasn't two days he's been out for a while um the other thing that i liked that the movie did cuz it's been a long time since i watched this and i forgot things when he comes out he's you know he's ripping out uh tubes and stuff and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I I remember telling Sarah as we're watching it, I said, man, it's uh, how are his muscles not atrophied? He should not be able to use them. But then when they send him down the super happy fun water slide, he's so weak he can't even tread water. And then they come back and they say, your muscles are atrophied. We're repairing them. So it was probably only being in the still hooked up to the machine cables or something that gave him enough support to even use whatever residual muscle he had. Um Mm -hmm. Could have been I adrenaline. thought that was a nice. I thought that was Could a nice adrenaline, yeah. touch to reality that he was so weak he couldn't even swim, <clears throat> and that they called and out to say the fact that he's never used his muscles in his life. Why do my eyes hurt? You've never used them.
2: Um, yeah, exactly. Why do my eyes to, hurt? I've they they had to
1: rebuild them. his muscles. I thought those were two very nice um, little artistic touches—a way to show without telling, in some ways.
3: Um, mm-hmm. Here's another one. I kind of like the underground city.
2: Well, they don't show that in this. Oh, the concept, you mean? The concept doesn't show up till the next
3: movie. Well, I'm talking concept here, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a nice idea that it's like okay. So again, the only place you could survive would be going underground. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense, and then you drive. You could get far enough away that the signal can't reach, which again makes sense because you try getting signal in a cave doesn't work too well.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I have a nice uh, pick here for Cypher. Um, Cypher is a great example of someone who, well, you kind of believe that there'd be someone like that, that after the running and the eating slop and the, living in a, probably a cold ship all the time. And it just, after a while, it would get to you. And, you know, you know, ignorance is bliss and knowing things can hurt. And the expression, it's better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. You know, when you're in the throes of love loss, your opinion of that is no, I'd rather be ignorant. Thank you. And so you figure someone would throw in the towel and that was the perfect way to do it. You know, I don't have the codes to get you to Zion, but Morpheus does. And I can give you Morpheus, but I want to be plugged back into the matrix. I don't want to remember. I want to remember nothing and make me rich, make me happy. And of course for the machines, it's like, well, if that's all it takes is to make a placated little boy, that's fine. Um. That I, I thought was a nice touch because, yeah, at some point, someone's going to crack. Someone's going to throw in the towel and say, I'm done with this.
1: I, um, I That was one of my picks, too. I mean, you beat me to it, but um, I love that scene because he's saying, I don't care. He has a choice between living a perfect life within the Matrix of bliss and happiness, and even if it's not real, it's real enough to him. He can't tell the difference, and the real mm-hmm. life out there is is a struggle it's it's a living hell i think that more people than just him would have made that choice by now would have rather stayed within the matrix um to a lesser extent this is already happening to some extent we have the beginning of a metaverse uh the example i'm thinking of is eve online they have massive massive wars And they have their factions and their governments, and they have ambassadors that meet in real life to discuss peace talks and policy talks between the factions. I remember talking about a
2: game here.
1: Yeah. Yes. Talking about a game. And I remember when the biggest war in EVE online history to date had broken out. I was having. Millions of
3: dollars were lost. Yeah.
1: Real dollars were lost. People were pouring in real money to try to build more material to fight the war. But more than that, they were interviewing ambassadors and admirals and generals. And they were saying, well, you know, we have real lives too, but this started unfolding. And as it unfolded, I've done what I could to, you know, keep my faction alerted and do my duties within it. And some of them were saying about taking personal time off work because the demands of their job as an ambassador of their faction in EVE Online demanded it. And here's the thing. They can go be an admiral. In a massive, massive spacefaring faction, commanding a war for the, commanding a fleet for the survival of their faction. They can be someone very, very important, an ambassador going to peace talks, you know, Um, or they can go, (laughs) they can go be a guy, um, be Al Bundy selling shoes. Or they can just go well, be a guy at his nine to five job, a car salesman, whatever. Go be a mortgage underwriter, whatever. Or they can be this thing that is really, really important here, even if none of it's real. And the human brain is conditioned to like to choose that thing that makes you feel important.
3: Well, well and you, you know, yes, because we always have that dolphin rush when you get recognized and you have some status and things like that. So, yes, but. And Here's another. Qu- Here's the other question. Did we? Is there an, another meaning here that real life and life itself is challenge? It's not the easy road.
2: To struggle is to grow. Um, for this one, it's difficult. <laughs> well, oh wait, no wait, no, because real life is more difficult than the Matrix life, but. I don't know, because the film also makes it clear that the Matrix is not where we're supposed to be.
3: And, well, yeah, real life is a uh, challenge, and you, that's what you want. They real had life. to build that in, because when it was
1: perfect, our it's brain possible. revolted against it and
2: said, this can't
1: be real. Real life doesn't work like this.
2: That's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Because And, you know, that goes, this uh, concept of an online life or someone else, you're not who you think you are or who you want to be. And that kind of tracks a little bit because, uh, you know, you, you said it, Scott, I mean, these people are, they're admirals in these fleets, which of course is low risk by the way, because compared to an actual admiral who has to determine, decide on things like actual human life and actual dollars spent, uh, you're in a video game. Well, there Where, are actual we're, dollars, we're, there back, dollars. There were actual dollars. There's act- actual
3: dollars.
2: Yeah, but not to the degree of an actual navy admiral. No, I, I mean, think you, they were trying to if say you, yeah, some if of these capital ships. Died,
1: cost like three to five thousand dollars or something.
2: Yeah, okay, that's still significantly less than the millions poured into an aircraft. Carrier, I agree. So. I agree. But for um, a video game, I, it's that's true. But I'm just saying, comparatively, the risk is quite low. But well, yes, you're you also
3: sp- comparing a individual spending that money versus a country spending that still money.
2: Still comparatively low because the risk is still great for the admiral individual because the money yes. is gonna come yes. up and the lives are gonna come up, you know. Um but still there's that importance of that that I am someone of import versus my regular job where I'm just an insurance underwriter and that's not as exciting and um yeah this kind of goes back to the theme of we can get lost in a story I, let's just take the the journey of luke skywalker because you want to have that for yourself you want to have that journey and know i did something of value of worth i think um even if it doesn't lead to me being rich i did something Magnificent, and you don't have that when you're an insurance underwriter.
1: Real life
0: can mean,
2: be th- very that boring. doesn't mean. Yeah, it's uh, you know I don't you don't have that when you're changing out brass rods in a six-spindle machine making screws. Um, are is what you're doing vital to the economy? Well, yeah, but it's a pretty minor cog, really. Um, so that, yeah, that's a good point that we have this vision of who we would rather be and, um, yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, we saw that in Ready Player One, people that preferred to be online than be in real life.
1: I feel like there's a lot of people, if they had the conscious choice to struggle through the realities of life, or if they could be sent to a world of it's a dream world, they know it's not real, they know it only exists in their head, Uh, but once they're in there, they won't know, and they can live this wonderful life of ease. They'd take that.
2: You know what, though? Tons of people would. Yeah, but I think also if there was a (laughs) struggle, they would take it as long as it was the right kind of struggle. That's Um, true. That's true. uh, You know, you put someone, I mean, these EVA, EVA is the name of the game? Yes. EVE. EVE guys. E-V-E. EVE guys, guys and girls. It's not like there's not conflict going on. It's just the kind of conflict I wish I were in. Versus having to buy a new roof, you know, or fix things in the house. Well, not everyone gets jazzed about that. But I'll tell you what, though repairing my carrier in the middle of a fleet battle that's pretty adrenaline jumping
1: so what did you do today at work um i underwrote three new insurance policies what did I do today after work? Oh, man, this is amazing. I was outnumbered at the Battle of the Horsehead Nebula. My small strike force had only six strike cruisers and a, and a small fighter screen, rig, uh, screen wing and, and three capital ships. But through brilliant tactics and audacity, I was able to defeat a strike force twice as big as mine and then drive through to seize a, a key supply depot for my faction.
2: Right. Be that far more excited more about that. Even, even though it sounds ridiculous, it sounds a lot more exciting than, yep. well, I went to the lumber yard and picked up some two by fours for uh, this. It's the same reason that people like me make a Halloween decoration in the front yard. That's insanely more interesting and fun than, well, I had to go pick up some lumber and, uh, you know, joist up this uh, thing at work. And Well, uh-huh.
3: the answer is very simple. It's because, and it all boils down to this: we work to live, we don't live to work.
2: And yeah, and the few people that have said when you do what you love, it's not work anymore, and they can do that. There you go. Well, that unfortunately, be, that's pretty rare. Oh well, yeah, that's a minority of the population for sure. Uh, most people have to live with uh, just you do what you do. Yeah, I mean, the, the concept of, and this is turning into a workforce melody, but um, <laughs> well, the again, concept of get the job that you always dreamed of,
3: well, you got to be realistic. There are very few astronauts, so good luck. I don't know for about good you, but too. I know
1: that I put down on everything in school all the way up through high school and first year of college that I wanted to go work in the mortgage banking industry when I grew up.
2: Well, <laughs> then, Scott his dream. He's
3: living the dream. I'll settle for that. Uh, that Cause that's what I've achieved. That's <laughs> well, again, yeah, you don't hate the job and you're getting money to live a life.
1: Exactly. What more can you ask for?
3: That's right. And so no wonder why
2: EVE sounds more interesting, but, um, a couple more small things I think we could do in rips and picks, uh, a pick the action. The action in this movie is amazing. Uh, Absolutely. It was groundbreaking stuff, the likes of which we had never seen the slow-mo, uh, running off walls and dodging bullets and slow-mo yet hyper fast Kung Fu, all very cool stuff that was replicated. And of course it came off of Kung Fu Flex. I mean, it was, it was modeled after, but it was just something that I had never seen. At well, that it's moment also, in my
3: life It's also a very western interpretation Of kung fu
2: Well yeah of course it is But the fact is And that's fine to be uh, inspired by But it was just Effects that were Unlike anything we had ever seen
1: I feel like this movie is time. what you would get if you, if you took the best Aspects of uh, Denis uh, Villanova yeah. uh, Villanueva. Villanueva uh, and Michael Bay and combine them. You might get the—and the, the,
2: and the, this movie gives you the best aspects of those two. So we're given 95% Denis and 5% Michael Bay?
1: No, no. I would say 50-50 because I think—honestly, I think that the, that the action— and the explosions and the slow mo and the creativity of the of the cinematography is every bit as important or more so to this film's success than the storytelling and the depth of meaning that would have come from the fifty percent Denis. Um if this is yeah, if this not. is just a slow paced story without really cool bullet time fast action fighting and kung fu scenes, uh I I don't think we ever get a sequel. It's something that goes over most
2: people's heads. No, that's true. I'm just trying not to give credit to Michael Bay.
1: Yeah, unfortunately here, I think you got to. It shows that the um, Michael no, Bay part of it can no, be I just as important. La, 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 la,
2: la, 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 not
3: paying attention to Scott. Well, um, I will pay attention to Scott and agree with him because, you yes, he, this very much needed action to go with it because, yes, uh, the, the headiness and the mind is very nice, and I enjoy it quite a bit. But oh no, it I agree with you. I need the action and it's very nice and welcome.
2: Oh, I agree with Scott on that. I just don't want to
3: give Michael Bay credit. So Without the um, Michael
2: Bay part, this is Blade Runner. It's a
1: great cult film that has a following among science fiction fans only. With the action, this film rises out of the science fiction genre to people who do not like science fiction
2: liking this film. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And just but just it also looks cool. I remember everybody tried to copy the Matrix look. Uh, after this came out, there oh. you could go buy a le- neo le- jacket and yes,
3: leather pants and trench coats. Got to do
2: the sunglasses. Yeah,
1: how about the fact that if somebody does something crazy agile, it's called pulling a matrix or pulling a neo?
2: Do we still call it that?
1: I've heard it Bull- recently, not as much. I'm old, yeah. you know, it sticks in okay. my lexicon,
3: well, but for a while, like, oh, man, you're getting course. your also, neo bullet, on. Time. bullet time, bullet is- time came from, yes really came from that so
2: that's right i think you don't hear as much the, and that's what i was talking about with especially in the intro the tr- the franchise that could have done better uh pulling a neo all of that <laughs> those <laughs> things and that's why i kind of put matrix at kind of the beginning of that fall because terms from films that became part of our lexicon yep our speech our uh, you don't see that as much anymore. You saw it with the Matrix, but it petered off, and I would say, in part, because the subsequent additions denuded what had been made before. Or it just could if have they, been an overload
1: said, of uh, just an overload of material to watch.
2: It I don't could know. have been that, but I think I think Scott, you're right. Had they just ended it with the Matrix, it probably would have had the staying power that on the, the staying power impact on the culture as it used to. I mean,
1: to. if we're being honest, we could pull the same garbage with an 80s uh, great. Um, is Hello, McFly that great of a line? Is Back to the no, Future 2 and but, Back to the Future 3? Back to the Future is a great movie, and it's probably a better artistic, creative franchise if 2 and 3 do not happen.
2: Um, well, the way they ended 1, you kind of had to do 2. Yep, but, but looking um, back... Looking back, two and three but did not
1: add to the franchise.
2: They did not, they weren't as good as, as one for sure, but they weren't, they didn't, but they didn't weigh down and ruin the whole thing. I have
1: one minor rip just for, so, just uh, to be, to be fair, because I, I haven't ripped this and I've talked so, so highly about the, the right. quality of writing. Go ahead. There's a terrible exposition scene. They're trying to explain an EMP to the 1999 audience that may not know what an EMP is. Uh-huh, yeah. So who do they have asked the question? The super smart computer hacker who could figure out that the <laughs> world was a lie and was searching for Morpheus, who absolutely would know what an EMP is. Yeah. That's bad yeah. exposition. I know that someone had to ask the question, and no one else on the ship is a newcomer. So instead of having Neo ask what it is, the better way would have just been to have him say,
2: electromagnetic pulse or what's that button do <coughs> exactly but now i've been fine what's that button do emp it's gonna do the pulse and knock us out oh always, okay
1: you always have to be careful when you have an exposition question asked that the character asking it would reasonably be asking that question because sometimes you ask it and it's just that the character is asking for a briefing for something that, um, uh you're heading into the war zone now. Why are you asking me about the tactics that uh the XYZ aliens prefer to use now? Why not all into the whole lead know. up to the attack yeah. that you were going to? You were the only one asleep what? at the switch? Or or you yeah, get something well, like this, where someone asks a question that for them to not know the answer, they would have had to roll a one on the percentile die <laughs> out of a hundred. To miss, no, you
3: know, it would be more accurate to be like, hey, for the director of the CIA to be like, hey, uh, what does CIA stand for? Yeah. I'm sorry, no, what? what's this? What's this Iron
2: Dome thing I heard about?
1: It would be like if Mark <sighs> was teaching a class as a, as a college professor and his student said, um, Mr. Lorenzi, are you going to be handing out a syllabus? Syllabus? What do you mean, syllabus?
2: And then the student explained it to me, exactly. and I went, oh, yes. yeah. It's, that. Not
1: something, it's not something that you should have, that he should have not known. It's just absolutely, it, it's jarring. It, and maybe it's only to me, but it was jarringly it, bad exposition to it have turns out it ask was, that question.
2: It turns out it was only you, and I'm going to finish it off with this. This will be a pick. The fact that the movie keeps its verisimilitude." to the point where minor things like you just got mentioned are easily overlooked. That's true. Because the major points are being covered. They're not breaking their own rules in a major way that takes you out of the movie. And this is, you know, I complain about this a lot. And this is one of the reasons I'll say why cinema has gone down in quality is that you get authors that that couldn't be bothered to for continuity and verisimilitude. And when I see that, what it basically says is, I can't be bothered to write well enough for you, so you as the consumer shouldn't be bothered to care about my story. Um, You know, in Star Trek VI, you have the bird of prey that can fire while cloaked. And the movie, the actors, the characters make it clear that this is unbelievable. It can't be done. But they explain, well, obviously I can, and here's the prototype. And so it's conceivable with the technology, but they make it clear this is a prototype that nobody knows about. In fact, the Klingon Empire doesn't even know. This is a faction of people. But they make an Achilles heel and say, well, let's see, it's shooting and it's cloaked. That thing's got to have a heck of an output of energy in its tailpipe. That thing's got to be just locked out. And also the shields weren't up because they couldn't run shields running that much energy. They made it clear. So not only did they keep various but they kept other rules to keep their idea in check. And it was acceptable. You don't look at that and go, that's stupid. Whereas JJ would just make it not only fireable while cloaked, but super shields. And it could chase you down and warp and shoot torpedoes. And while we're at it, it can go fire and we can go kill a Q and, he would just keep stacking it up, and the Matrix doesn't do that. Okay, it oh, makes don't it worry. clear. The Star
1: Trek Voyagers writers made it possible for humans to kill a Q. Oh, okay, fine.
2: But the uh, the Matrix doesn't do that. When you're taken out of your little battery pod, you're weak as a kitten. You need, as you said, Scott. To sh- you need time. When if you're suddenly pulled out of the Matrix the wrong way, you're dead. You're dead, and that's what happens. Everybody pulled out, except for Neo, who was supposed to be the anomaly that broke the code. He was the golden exception, whereas everyone else, no. You, if you get disconnected from the Matrix the wrong way, you're dead. No way about it. Um, all of these things. So it, because it follows its own rules, that little EMP comment gets easily overlooked. You're right. It's kind of silly. They probably just ha- should have had him say, hey, what's that button? And then someone says it. And for the audience's sake. But otherwise, yeah, it's like you said, it's a smaller, it's a nitpick. It's not as big a deal. It doesn't take you out of the movie. Um, quite like, you know, the Hurt Locker with pretty much everything that happens in that movie. Sorry, I just watched the Hurt Locker and I kept going, how was this considered? the most realistic war film. None of this is realistic. Because
3: anyway. realistic war would make a very boring film. Hurry up and wait.
2: Well, plus the IED, you know, IED. Uh... Hey, hey, Mark, before
3: we go down another Let's Hurt's Locker episode. Uh-huh. Let's... Have I done a... Bu- okay. Yes, you have. You've gone down H- hut Locker recently. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so. so...
2: I know what I complain about.
3: Okay, anyway. So, I was uh, going to say, before we go down on a hoodlock of that rabbit hole, maybe we should actually rate this. Yeah, I think you're right. So how many red
2: pills do we want to give it? Scott? Well, I'll take over. I'll, I'll get us started. Um, I'm going to give this a good nine. Uh, it's got some nitpicks that you take away from, and the battery thing was kind of a big one for me. Uh, but otherwise the effects are brilliant. It's got wonderful analogy that, you know, was hidden enough to pass censor. But when you look back on it, you're like, well, that was obvious. Um, it was a groundbreaking concept with dream within a dream. It hit all those philosophical buttons. And I think another factor is that it is timeless, even though the subsequent editions did kind of kill it. The Matrix will always go down as one of those quintessential sci-fi films. There are, um, it is one of those movies that will be on anybody's top 50 sci-fi films. Uh, It was just so groundbreaking for its time. It was the action, the concepts, everything about it had never been done it kind of blindsided us all and it's really sad that the subsequent films really kind of bombed it because kind of giving away
3: what your ratings coming i
2: know i know i know that but um it's really unfortunate that the subsequent editions and even the animatrix really the the pro I don't think we'll have time to do the animatrix, but the problem with the animatrix was that it peeled back a bit more than I would have liked it to. It showed the, uh, the background of the machine human war. And honestly, I didn't want to see that. I, I was happier, not knowing I was happier. Um, I got it. Conceptually. I got it. I didn't need to see what precisely happened. And um, it's that kind of stuff that just after a while, it kind of takes this brilliant concept and weakens it and weakens it and weakens it. And, uh, you know, like Scott said, had, had you, they made more of back to the future than just those three movies. Now, as I said, two and three don't ruin part one. Um, and there was a cartoon, but the cartoon was never meant to be some kind of canonical masterpiece. It was just meant to be a goofy, Hey kids, let's watch Marty McFly and Doc Brown. Yeah, You know, okay. but it didn't take away from back to the future. And what came out subsequently, especially when we get to the final film certainly did. But this, however, was a great film. Nine out of 10, nine out of 10 red pills.
3: Scott, you want to go next? Yeah.
2: Um. This
1: is definitely a classic of science fiction. And I agree with the listing that it made on the 100 greatest uh, films uh, for cultural heritage. Um, and it, I think it, it's definitive of a generation. It's a film that if you were a 90s kid or an 80s kid, you've seen. You know it. <clears throat> and um, I think it's one of those things that definitely had an impact on, on culture. It definitely had an impact on society. And it's something that if you grew up in this time um, You're aware of it Uh, More so than some other movies It's almost impossible not to know who Neo is Um, I think it's a tribute to storytelling And it's an excellent allegory um, And I think it's um, It's the masterpiece probably Of the Wachowskis Uh, Mm -hmm. And and it's Mm -hmm. It's well acted It does have some things that I say Take away from it It is too long The pacing is not always the best it is a very long movie and at times it feels like a very long movie um it broke that up by having tremendous action scenes um and it broke up the deep heady stuff with just edge of your seat uh pulse pounding fight scenes and it it knew how to do that and balance that very well um and the other thing i would say is the dialogue at some points is very unrealistic people don't talk this way People having deep mm-hmm. philosophical conversations don't talk this way. Um, and at well, times, they're not normal people. Yes, but at times it's almost as if every line of dialogue constructed within the story is meant to say something without saying something. And that at times can become a little frustrating too. If you watch through the Matrix over and over and over again, uh, there are times where you can see where it was going in two and three with characters making speeches that became incomprehensible. It's almost there at times in one. Um, but um, I will give it nine out of ten red pills, uh, just like Mark. Um, okay. I will also say I didn't add this because I don't know where it fits in rips and picks, but this movie made me realize that Lawrence Fishburne probably would have made a better Mace Windu than
2: Samuel L. Jackson. Different conversation, but I disagree. Go on, Thomas.
3: <laughs> um, I almost hate doing this. But I'm going to agree with you and give it a 9 out of 10 also. woo That's two weeks in a row, same ranking. I, and I almost feel bad doing this, but I agree. It's a good film. It works well. I, I enjoy it. And the action scenes are iconic and have te- lasted the test of time for the simple fact we still remember them, which mm-hmm. is something you can't say for a lot of films. There's a lot of films where, oh, that uh, there was something in the. I don't remember. It was some. It was cool though. This I remember the action scenes. Hmm. So it sticks, and yes, so many people have seen it. It's iconic. I mean, there's a reason why they tried to make. Well, didn't try. They made a you know another film in the series because it's iconic. They're working off of something that is there and people know, and people love, and there's a reason why, because this first one did such a good job and made such an impact that they were basically able to ride the coattails of this amazing film throughout. So, this gets a 9 out of 10.
2: Okay, sounds good. Well, um that is it sicky so that's a definite recommendation from us uh we from the guys at sci-fi malady here uh, so you can if you're interested in sci-fi in general i mentioned it once ztf uh ztf just dropped an episode just saturday it would be episode 8 or 9 suddenly i figure oh, i'm sorry we're calling them chapters now don't anyway that Just Dropped, written by wonderful Shane, and it is a great episode. It was a lot of fun listening to, and I definitely recommend checking that out. Also, we have, as always, case uh, the Casatorium, which would be Case Close, Cold Case Chase. Uh, that is still count going strong with Shane and Ruck. And within the next week or so, we will be getting the new Case of the Chills with Layla, who will be talking about, The Haunted Elevator. Okay, I don't know if that's true or not. See? Yeah, that was the sound the Haunted Elevator made. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if that's true. I just made that up. The
1: Haunted Elevator sounds a lot like a haunted door.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because it's haunted. It's moaning, it's death rattle. Uh, Yeah, Layla, Shane, if you're listening please make that make that an episode just make it up just just make up the haunted elevator um and of course there's ztf which i already mentioned so if you would like to comment on any of those things you can reach us at
1: the remainder of an unbalanced equation by the square root of the derivative of pi times sigma over a quadratic equation, but oh no! RavingLunaticMedia.com, RavingLunaticMedia.com, RavingLunaticMedia.com. RageMaster, what's left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies. And look out and for Sci-Fi and... Melody the Musical.
2: Ah, uh, there's that, and also the fact that they're going to be making a movie or show about Carol Baskin, so look out for that. Watch out for Carol Baskin. well.
3: Hey. Hey, I've seen this one. I've seen this one. This
1: is a classic. This is, uh... Sci-fi melody. is up as a man from space. What do you mean you've seen this? It's brand new. Yeah, well, I saw it on a...
0: rerun.